Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Saturday, October 16th, day 2021. Coming right up, it is 1 Samuel chapter 26. Don't you dare miss it. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel Podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify magnify and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in the church administration with your time or money contributions, managing, marketing, advertising, helping with the website or the podcast, whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. This Bible teaching podcast is only possible with your donations. Give it up for God and your whole human family at companionchapel.com Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or each transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com Companion Chapel is located at number 338 side road 28-29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada and the noise you hear in the background is it's raining and the roof leaks here at the Companion Chapel and the roof leaks uh, in many places but one place right on top of the wood stove it's freezing cold outside and it's raining and that is water coming through the roof and hitting the wood stove and that's just the way she's going to go today it's first samuel chapter 26 and let's get right down into it and the ziphites came unto saul to Gibe, saying doth not david hide himself in the hill of hachaliah which is before jesmin so they've given up david here twice now uh back in 2319 and it's just like Christ was given up, like people come and rat him out, and they want to see bad overcome good, but that is hate overcoming truth, or what is right, and hate always eats itself up and loses in the end, and the truth always stands. The truth is the great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. And Saul rose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. That's a lot of people. That's a big army. That's a, that's really uh, some serious stuff. You take 3,000 soldiers with you to come after one guy, and that's Saul. And that's the spirit of jealousy, the spirit of envy, and the spirit of hatred. Like Saul, over and over, says, yeah, I'm not going to do anything here. I'm not going to, okay, David, that's fine. Okay, David, that's fine. I'm not going to pursue after David. But think about this, even in your household, in your personal life, or on the world stage. You see people like in relationships. You have someone who's jealous and they go out of their way to, you know, make the other person's life horrible. Because who can stand against jealousy? Somebody making stuff up or envious. And they go out of their way wishing bad things on the person or actually pursuing bad things to happen to the person. And then all of a sudden they're nice. And then they're not nice. Then they're nice. Then they're not nice. Like, there's your trademark of the spirit of jealousy envy and Saul's got it and seems like uh, quite a few people out there certainly do have it which is unfortunate we pray for them let it go it has no value whatsoever you're only hurting yourself and hurting others around you it has a negative value uh, David therefore sent out spies 
Okay, Saul pitched his tent at Halkai before Jeshurun, by the way, but David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. Okay, so David always has lookouts. He has his own army. Therefore, David sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. Okay, Saul is after you again, David. Yeah, same old, same old. And he has like 3,000 guys with him. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched. And this just means like back then the armies would be like walking, right? And King Saul here would have a tent and he would sit back and he would be like, you know, watching the whole watching everything play out. And uh, so Saul pitched his tent there, and David beheld the place where Saul lay. And Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of the host, which was David's job. David was supposed to be captain of Saul's bodyguard and captain of the army of Saul. Uh, there's Abner. And Saul lay in the trench. This just means he lay in his barricade. It was all barricaded up, okay? He pitched a tent, barricaded it, had Abner. Uh, he was supposed to be the captain or the, the five-star general of Saul's, you know, as, and in charge of the bodyguard of Saul. And and there he is, okay? So you have that scene set up. And Saul lay in the trench. This is, he's barricaded. And the people pitched around about him. So it's Saul's going to have a sleepier. It's bedtime. Six. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishah the son of Zerah, brother of Joab, saying, "Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp?" And Abishah said, "I will go down with thee." And I believe this is David's nephew. Okay, now let's just go with that. David's nephew. So David and his nephew Abishah came to the people by night. And behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, within his barricade, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay around about him. Okay, so what are they doing laying around? They're supposed to be on guard all night. And, you know, they just... Abner the slouch and Mr. Hate himself, Saul. Verse 8. Then said Abishah to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day, now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. I'm not going to mutilate him, we're just going to kill him, okay? That's what Abishah is saying. And David said to Abishah, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Okay, that's the question. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, and he shall descend into the battle and perish. Okay, let God take care of this, is what he's saying. Uh, let God sort him out. Let God, God is the, the avenger. And David's uh, paying homage to that. Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch out forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. So they took his water bottle and his spear. Okay, old, old uh, Saul's spear they took. And remember, Saul had clotheslined that spear at David's uh, you know, right at David himself many times while David was just sitting there playing the harp. And so that spear is something. The king's spear is the symbol of of battle. Okay, the symbol of victory or the other team will get it. And it's, it's the symbol of victory for them. Verse 12. It's very symbolic. That's what I'm trying to say. 12. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster 
and they got them away, and no man saw it nor knew it, neither awakened, for they were asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. A deep sleep from the Lord. You know, people get that these days. God's in control. It's easy. You know, but God also has a deep sleep for some people, and it's called judicial blindness. It's called the spirit of stupor, the spirit of slumber. And when do we, when does God put that on people? Always after persistent unbelief, imaginative criticism, or chronic disobedience, you will never get God's saving word into you. God will just blank it out until you can let those things go and repent from the heart. The Bible will open up to you. And here's Saul. These guys, this is a bit different. I know that was, I digress a little bit there, but God's in control and he's the one that puts... Uh, the gang or uh, the inside uh, covert or cohort Saul's bodyguards all asleep there and David went over to the other side and stood on top of a hill afar off a great space between them so between Saul and the army he went down a valley and climbed up another hill or rock or cliff and David cried to the people and to Abner the son of Ner saying answerest thou not Abner Hey, Abner, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that, that cries to the king? And David said to Abner, uh, Yeah, Abner, you have my job, by the way, and I'm going to come and get it, and I'm going to be the king myself. But anyway, here he said, Art not thou a valiant man, and who is like thee in the Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept the Lord the king? Like, you're supposed to be number two in charge, Abner, and you're asleep at the job, you slouch. But God put them to sleep, okay? For there came one of the people in to destroy the king, thy lord. This thing is not good that thou hast done. As the Lord liveth, you are worthy to die, because you have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. And, you know, looking forward, God's anointed, the anointed one himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, everyone skated on him except the girls. Think about that. Like, you can always apply this forward. Remember, all God's prophecies occur and develop in partial and preliminary happenings for examples to us in the end times. And remember, everything was written for us for examples. Uh, uh, Paul told us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All these things happen for us for examples, for understanding. Uh, uh, verse 17, And Saul knew David's voice. Okay, verse 16. This thing is not good. And now you see where the king's spear is in the cruise of water that was at his bolster. Like there's David. He's got Saul's spear and his water bottle. 17. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. Respect. You know, and, and Saul's saying, My son David. Well, he was his son-in-law. But he sure treated him horribly and even married off the wife that he gave to him, his daughter. And he said, Where, uh, Wherefore doth my Lord thus pursue after his servant? For what have I done and what evil is in my hand? There's David again saying, What did I do to you, Saul? That you brought 3,000 guys out, 3,000 military, trained military soldiers out to kill me again. Now, what did I do? Please tell me. Now therefore I pray thee, let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the lord hath stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the lord, saying, Go serve other gods. That's a big verse. Now, 
what what he's saying is, where are you getting this from? Like, if this is something in Scripture, if I'm doing something wrong against the Lord, tell me. But if this is just something you're making up and people are, are um, trying to perpetuate it, your jealousies and envies and trying to, you know, a bunch of yes men around you, obviously, then let me know. Okay, this is what he's saying. David's saying to Saul, Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. So, who are you listening to? Like, why, why are all these people out? I'm harmless to you. I'm less harmless than a flea. And you're hunting me like, like a like a delicious partridge in a mountain. Okay, so what, what's up with this? Then Saul said, I have sinned. Okay, there you go. Saul admits it. I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thy eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. So he admits it. There, there's your first step. You have to recognize your problem, confront it, and correct it. And here's Saul. He's all worn out. He's all beat down. Like, how many times is this guy going to leave and chase this poor David that everybody loves and respects? But some people have a spiteful respect for him and want to see him go down. And a lot of people uh, have that attitude today. Misery loves company. They find happiness in other people's downfalls, faults, and miseries. And they want to see someone go down instead of seeing someone do good. A lot of people have vengeance in their hearts and vindictiveness in their hearts. And these things will not, these things will block your way to get into the kingdom of heaven. They'll land your butt in hell until you can get rid of those negative hatred attitudes. And that's called guile. It's called malice. It's called corruption. And none of those things penetrate the Lord Jesus Christ. He was found innocent, not guilty of any of those things dwelled within him. He will not compromise. He will not negotiate. He will not make concessions with those evil attitudes, the trademarks of evil. And Jesus Christ laid down his life at the appointed time and he set up a kingdom of heaven that will not accommodate those things. That is valid, legit, it is bona fide because he did not do it. If Jesus Christ sinned or had those things in him, then he would have no right to block people that carry those things out from the kingdom of heaven. They would have to be allowed in. Like a thief. If Jesus Christ stole something, he'd be like, well then, how can he say we can't come into the kingdom of heaven? Thieves, liars, people with blames, regrets, pointing fingers at others with disdain, like Saul's doing to David, and the people that follow him. You know, getting a bandwagon, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, slouchy people together to follow him. Let's go kill this guy, and uh, yeah, for for what reason? Like, this happens all over the place. You can kill somebody just with words. God hates slander. And he views slander as murder. And the, the, to document that would be Ezekiel chapter 28, amongst other places. Uh, Jesus Christ taught it himself in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 7 when he said, Raka. But the one and only death sentence is Ezekiel chapter 28 when God says, you know, you slandered me, Satan. And you slander me in front of everybody, and that's it. That's a death sentence for you. You challenged my sovereignty by slandering me. You challenged Jesus Christ's sovereignty by slandering him, then that is one of the unforgivable sins. 
to slander his character, the Holy Spirit. All right, let's just carry on here. And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivereth thee into thy hand today, but I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. He still gives it up for Saul, saying, Saul, you know what? If you weren't Saul's or the Lord's anointed, I would have you pegged to the ground with your own spear. But anyways, verse 24. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in my eyes, so let my life be much set in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all this tribulation that you're causing, by the way, Saul, to demons, devils, evil spirits, and all powers and principalities of evil. This, this is an example to us as Saul allows evil spirits to control him. 25. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David, thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. And if you read ahead, this is the last time Saul ever saw David. And Saul gives it up for David. He knows David's credentials. He knows he's anointed. And that's for chapter 26. Well, I hope you enjoyed chapter 26. Uh, let's do chapter 27. First Samuel, chapter 27. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more on the coast of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. So David's had it. Like, David is just... He's just had enough. Like, of having to look over his head and having armies come out after him. It's not just like a hit man. We're talking a whole army. And so, yeah, this is natural human emotion. You notice David starts not asking... Uh, God for advice in the next couple of chapters and it gets him into a little bit of trouble and it's always like you turn to God or are you going to follow your own heart uh, this lack of faith uh, yeah God didn't say that he should split into the land of the Philistines and this actually uh, ended up being disastrous for David it put him in a bad position. It shook people's confidence in him. It delayed his own election and led to divisions in the kingdom. So let's watch how this plays out in chapter 27, 28. And David arose and he passed over with his uh, the 600 men that were with him unto Ahash, Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. He went over to the place of the Philistines area again. And David dwelt with Achash at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinam and uh, the Jezreelite, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. Nabal is no longer, obviously, Abigail. And it came, and it was told Saul that David fled to Gath, and he sought no more for him. Okay, so Saul's had enough too. Anyways, he's too far. He went over to the Philistines area. And David said to Achish, If I have now found grace in thy eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country, that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Okay, so these are originally places uh, around here that were supposed to be of Israel, of Judah. Okay, and they go back and forth between these fights between or wars between the Philistines and the people of Judah or the Israelites and what's new today? Nothing. It's still the same. You know, 
Judah didn't cleanse this place and the enemy moved back in. And that's the way it goes. So David's asking for his own city. And Achash gave him Ziglag that day, wherefore Ziglag pertained unto the kings of Judah unto this day. So he says, here, take that city over there. It's, it's all right. It's a nice walled city anyway. I think it is an outpost or something. Anyway, it's a city. And the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. So he had a good little rest there. And he's in a nice spot. And David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites and the Jezreites and the Alamechites. Now, remember, Alamechites, they are chronic enemies of the children of Israel. And they are of Esau. That would be Jacob's brother. And you can read about that in Genesis chapter 36. For those nations were of old the inhabitants of the land, and thou goest to Shur, even in, unto the land of Egypt. Like, these were all friends of the Philistines, and David invaded these places because, you know, he would have been asking God about this for real, even though it's not written. Perhaps it's written in Chronicles, I forget at the moment, but, or he wrote about it in the book of Psalms. Um, again, I, I can't remember offhand. And David smote the land and left neither man woman alive and took away the sheep, the oxen, the asses, and the camels of apparel and returned and came to Achish. So David's cleaning up the place that was supposed to get cleaned up before because if there's too much evil in a place, it takes over and it gets down to one person. Like it got down to, uh, well, now I'm going to get off track here, but it gets down to who's carrying the seeds of truth, who's carrying the seed line all the way to our Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan attacks that seed line constantly. And we know that uh, places like, you know, Moses and Isaac and uh, it, during the flood, Noah and uh, several of the kings, like... Uh, it came down to one person that was of the seed line of God's plan. So God has a plan for those people, and you're instantly with the Father. Like, if the people were just so wound up in evil, all the way to, like, the children had no chance, and God had them destroyed, it, it, it wasn't murder because you're instantly back with Father. And God's it's God's plan. God is the God of the living, not the dead. And be careful where you let your mind wander or what you read online when they claim that God is a murderer, which is just crazy. He's the God of the living. He asks for the people back because his plan has to come to pass, his plan of salvation. Okay, so when it says woman, children, everything, all right, that's enough of the evil. It's so ingrained in them. It's ingrained in their culture. And God's got a plan. They're instantly back with the Father in their spiritual bodies. And it's all good. God's plan has to come to pass. And Akash said, Whither have you made a road today? Like, what, what were you up to lately, David? And David said, Against the south of Judah, and against the south of the Jeremelites, and against the south of the Kenites. And this is a major part of the key of David here. Who are the Kenites? Well, so far David's gone up against the sons of Cain. That's the Kenites. And don't forget... These are the tares in the parable of the tares. The Kenites, the sons of Cain. Because Cain is not listed in, in uh, the genealogy of Adam for a reason. Because of Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thy seed, Satan, and the woman's seed. There's seed lines. What happens? 
in the garden. Like, it's, it couldn't be any clearer. But uh, the sons of Cain are to be with us to the end. Remember, that's what it says in the tares. The angels will sort them out. We, we let them. We're not the harvesters. We point them out. We count them out. And that's why throughout the Bible, it says to count. It's so important to follow the genealogies and know who you're reading about for understanding. And so here's the Kenites. And uh, David went down there and he did a... He just took back the places that were part of Judah and part of Israel. Uh, verse 11, And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, Lest they should tell on us, saying, So David and so will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of Philistines. So he was following God's plan. And if people came back and said, hey, this guy who's living in the Philistines area has got his own army. He leaves and he's killing, uh, he's wiping out other Philistine areas. Then it would have been really bad for David. But David put himself in this spot anyway. Remember back in uh, verse 1 and 2 of this, like David didn't ask, he put, ask God. It was in his heart. And David said in his heart, verse 1, there is a major part of understanding of why David got in this horrible situation. He wasn't inquiring of God. That's what's in heart, in his heart. Remember the same thing with Saul. What was in Saul's heart is what changed. And what's in all of our hearts, Christ has to be saturated in your entire being, in your heart. To know the difference between right and wrong, what is good and what is evil, and how to get it, like where you're where you're gonna go, heaven or hell. Like don't there are many ways that seem right unto mankind, but in the ways they just lead to death. So whenever you have to make a decision, every single morning you wake up in the morning and you say your prayers, and you ask God to help you through the day, and you always inquire of God. You seek Him out. You seek out the Lord Jesus Christ, because you can't abide. To abide with Christ, you have to confide. Confide. You can't abide unless you confide. You have to have unadulterated faith and belief to get relief. From the things that will press you, the decisions you have to make during the day. You have to you have to seek understanding so you can stand. And that all comes from the great poetic chapters of the book of Isaiah. Let's go back to verse 11 here of 27. This is all happening in David's heart. He's going around and he is... Uh, doesn't say he inquired of God to go to war, but he definitely did inquire of God to get his to end up living with the Philistines. And Achash said, where, where have you been? And David went and he told them. And Achash believed David, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. Therefore he shall be my servant forever. Because it sounded like David said he went into these places to get rid of uh, the Philistines. But meanwhile... He went in there to get rid of people that were inhabiting the land of Judah and Israel. And Achash believed this because of David's covert actions. The way David was acting uh, was convincing enough that he was faithful to the Philistines. And this is the jam that David is now in. Because people are going to start to have division against David because he didn't He didn't ask God. He didn't say, listen, God, what should I do here? Should I go 
into the land of the Philistines, into the land of the enemy, and act like I'm not, like be a hypocrite and act like I'm not your enemy? Or what should I do? He didn't inquire of God, and so now he has this guy, Akash, thinking, oh, David's now against Israel and his own people, and he's sticking up for us now. And, uh, you know, I trust this guy. He should be my servant forever. And this is going to really end up, make David end up in a jam here in chapter 28. But we'll get to chapter 28 a little bit later. I'm going to wrap it up right now. I want to thank you very much for listening. This is Companion Chapel. You can get a hold of me at companionchapel at gmail.com. My name is Mike. Uh, the Companion Chapel Podcast, anything you can help out with, if you want to make video casts or whatever, if you want to be a special guest, come on out. It's number 338, side row 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. And I do this every single day, so if you want to come out and be part of it, that'd be just the greatest thing. Please promote this podcast, share this podcast, but most of all, please enjoy this podcast. I want to thank you very much for listening. Have yourself a great day, and bye for now.